Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Appreciate and am thankful for those that have talent. Can you say amen? that received the Holy Ghost, please, amen, amen, follow through, hallelujah, just remember, all right, remember, the church is here for you, we are here to support you and to help you grow and develop into becoming who knows what for the glory of the name of Jesus, amen, but the church is not going to do it all main thing is going to be your personal hunger, your desire to draw close to God, and your family, amen, and supporting you and encouraging you to be in the house of the Lord, hallelujah, and creating that environment at home for you, hallelujah, amen, amen, we are here to do whatever we can, but we know that our time here is pretty limited. Hallelujah. We appreciate it. All right, we're going to call your attention this morning to the book of Acts, chapter number 8. We're going to read verses 26 through 31. And uh, hallelujah, if they could knock them track lights down, please. I'd appreciate that. This coming Wednesday night, Brother Colton will be speaking to us, and he has some really good things to say. Hallelujah. There were some things that happened at youth uh, convention. I know Wycon, Wacon, Ucom, we go. I just call it youth convention. hope that's okay. I hope I don't get in trouble for that. Amen. Using outdated language. Amen. But uh, please come and we're going to have a great time. And today is the first day of spring in case you forgot. Here we are. Looks like spring to me out there. All right, Acts chapter number 8, verse number 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. Behold, the men of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. And he was returning, he was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? 
And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Amen. And we're, we're going to uh, draw your attention to this verse here. And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And that's what I would like to speak to us about here this morning. Amen. Everyone needs a guide. Everyone needs a guide. I'm going to ask you if you would lift your heart to the Lord here one more time. I'm going to ask Brother McCune if he'd be so kind as to lead us in prayer. Man, you may be seated. Let's just make a couple of quick statements here as we get into our message here. Number one, recognize that Philip, he was making the journey before he even knew why. Right? Catch that, right? And the eunuch. He had gone as far as he could go on his own. Amen. Have you, uh, I'm sure we all have been, but have you ever been on an adventure and you finally decided, well, you know, I need a guide to get me to where I'm going. Anybody ever been there? I have. I know how important a guide can be couple of different areas, but one, as you well know, when I made my little trip to Everest Base Camp, I had a Sherpa guide on my journey. Now, I could have attempted to get there on my own, but common sense said otherwise. And I needed a seasoned guide who had taken others to the place that I was trying to get to. In fact, the company I chose to work with is called Responsible Adventures. And uh, my guide, his name was Chandra, and he had taken others to Base Camp. Now, there was one time that I thought I might be lost. Literally, I don't know how many days I was into it, but uh, we had... Chandra had gone ahead, uh, I think, to try to locate, uh, you know, a, a spot where we could rest or something. And I looked around, and here I was in the middle of the Himalayas in Nepal, and I uh, had really no clue where I was, right? I had been following my guide all the time, and I looked around, and there was nobody. There, there was nobody, nothing all around me. Far as I could see. I thought, oh boy, I do hope that he finds his way back here. Because all I got is a whistle, right? I got a phone, but it ain't likely it's going to work. So I, I know I know what that feels like to, to feel like the, the possibility that you're lost. 
Anybody ever been there? Man. And then another time on that little journey, I thought I had gone as far as I could go. And I looked for a job that was going to help me make the decision whether to turn around or continue on. And this particular setting here that we're talking about this morning is really one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful stories in the entire New Testament. And it reminded me of a personal search for me. My personal search for God, which included, as most of you have heard, or most of you have never heard my testimony, should say, that as a young man, I was actually, I was 19, and God was dealing with my heart. I was trying to find the answer. And I put the Bible backpack, and I hitchhiked to Yellowstone National Park, and there I spent the next month trying to find what I thought was going to be my answer. I sat down under a tree, Yellowstone Park, first day I got there. I opened the Bible. I had, I had no clue what I, even I was doing, other than I was convinced there was something in here that was going to give me the answer. I opened it to the book of Genesis, and I began to read. But unfortunately, I met with a, another hitchhiker and uh, never, never finished. I don't think I finished the first chapter. But my, it, was, it was the beginning of my search. That didn't work out, and it would be a year later that God would send a guide my way to show me the way of truth. And I, uh, I can relate to that. If you, some have never really been there, but I can relate to it. I know what it's like to be hungry for God and not be able to find Him. Brother Tim, can you relate? I tell people that sometimes. I did, I did, trust me. I did, I hitchhiked with a Bible on my own, trying to find the answer. I knew it was in there. It was Albert Schweitzer said these words. He says, the most difficult thing I ever had to do is follow the guidance I prayed for. You and I have all known some folks that are stubborn, especially the men. I mean the ladies. I mean the men. You know how it is. One of those folks who we can get her done without anybody's help. Hello, men. Can you relate to that? I don't need any instructions on how to put this baby crib together? Are you kidding? I'm a man. And by the time that there's parts laying around and screws laying around and we're looking at the directions and we come to understand, you know, it didn't go as planned. And so the wife comes and bails us out. 
Maybe not you, but trust me. Kathleen tells me not to even, don't even try to fix anything, okay? Just call, call your son-in-law, okay? He'll get it done. But you and I, we know people like that. There are people like that when it comes to their walk with God, when it comes to their, their eternity, their soul, that is so valuable that they think that they can get the answer to everything that they need to know on their own. But I'm here to remind us all that there are times in our lives that we need a guide to get us to the place that maybe not so much we want to get to, but there's a place that God wants you to get to that you are going to need somebody that is a little bit higher than you are to get you to that place. In fact, the problem is that we may figure it out on our own, but the time it takes us to reach our destination subtracted precious time from your life. Time lost is never regained. We might have reached our destination hours, days, weeks, months, years sooner if we would have only asked for help from someone who had gone there before. One man writes, he says, a man's pride can be his own downfall, downfall, and he needs to learn when to turn to others for support and guidance. book of Acts, don't we? How many of you love the book of Acts? It is, it is the act or the actions of that first century church. Record the, the recorded history of that first 100 years when God put the gospel into the hands of the chosen 12 and then added number 13, the Apostle Paul. Uh, it, is, it is one of the most Powerful readings that you can ever focus on. And chapter 7 through 10 are very pivotal moments in church history. Chapter number 7, Stephen becomes the first martyr. Chapter number 8, we get the first great persecution of the church. Persecution that would turn out to become the vehicle that God moved the church outside the walls of Jerusalem into Samaria and ultimately the uttermost part of the world. Persecution was the vehicle then. Persecution may be the vehicle in modern day that moves the church. Chapter 9 brings the conversion of Saul who would become the 13th apostle, the God-called apostle to the Gentiles. Then chapter number 11 officially opens the doors of the church to the rest of the world with a visit by Peter to the home of Cornelius. One of the main characters in our story this morning in chapter number 8, he's a man by the name of Philip. Who was this man? Acts chapter 6, we find the beginning of this man's ministry. It tells us that 
the early church, the assembly, they were they had something come up. They had a challenge in the church that needed to be dealt with. And the apostles told the church, they said, choose seven men from among you that can help this situation or that can help in ministering. Listen, I am so very grateful. I am so very thankful for each and every one of you that participates in this assembly in ministering to people, not only inside, but the outside. I am so thankful for youth directors that don't just go through the motions, but they care for the soul of your young person. I am thankful for our teachers that, that are willing to sacrifice time and go into a classroom where young children sometimes are a little bit unruly. I am thankful for that Sunday school teacher that, that, that perseveres through it all and still teaches the precious word of God to your young people, to your children. I am thankful for people that do have talent and uh, carry that talent to the level of worshiping God, not worrying about the income that they might be able to make on the outside, but they're here and they're dedicated to lifting and leading the voices of this assembly to the worship of the one true mighty God that saved my soul. That's where, that's where Philip got his, uh, his beginning. He was one of those seven men that they chose. And listen to the credentials. Listen to this. Number one, it was done in order to give the apostles the opportunity to focus their time and energy to prayer and the ministry of the word. These seven men were chosen, were to be men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. God's not looking for your degree on that you can hang on the wall because you attended Yale or Harvard. Here's what he's looking for. He's looking for men that are of an honest report, men that are full of the Holy Ghost, men that are led by the Spirit and the Word of God. Come on, God hasn't changed. He's still looking for the simple things in life. You don't have to be a great orator. You don't have to get a degree in teaching. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and you need to be hungry for God, and you need to care for the soul of the person that you're trying to reach. That was the beginning of the burden of Philip. He just wanted to serve. I could stand, you and I could have Kathleen stand here this morning, and she could testify of how we began in the ministry, of how we just wanted to serve. Bible said these men came up and the apostles set these seven men before them. They laid hands on them and they prayed over them. Listen, that's the way, that is more than just symbolically per se, but that is the way that it has been passed on from generation to generation, from gifting to gifting. When we pray with you, when we lay hands on you, it is, it is our, our endeavor for God that whatever is in me, Lord, whatever gift I have, Jesus, 
I want you to pass it on to this person. I want you to bless this person. I want you to heal this person. I want you to, to, uh, to make this person into something great. Watch. Bible says, and the word of God increased in the number of the disciples multiplied. Philip is a man who stands out in our story. We're told that due to persecution that he travels to Samaria. And listen to me here. Listen carefully. If we're not careful, sometimes we think that, that these early uh, preachers, that, that they carried the Bible around with them. I'm here to tell you, the, Bible, the New Testament wasn't even written for Stephen. The Bible says he went to Samaria and he preached to them Christ. Right, the good news. He preached to them that Jesus Christ was God manifest in flesh and he came to save you and he did so by the shedding of perfect blood. Bible says that Philip went. He did not. We don't even know if he had the, a copy of the law or the Old Testament. We do not know. What we do know is he went there and he preached to them Jesus Christ, as Paul said, and him crucified and him coming back from the dead after three days. Says he goes to Samaria. You know the words that Jesus told on the Great Commission? He says that you're going to be a witness to me in Jerusalem. And where? Judea. And where? Samaria. And to the other most parts of the world. Philip gets the ball rolling. He goes to Samaria. Now, I don't have time to give you a study of the Samaritans, but they were not a real likable group when it comes to the viewpoint of the Jewish people. But the Bible says that Peter went, or Philip went there and he preached Jesus, and God honored that with signs and miracles that followed. And listen, Acts 8 and 8, you know when the message, you know when the good news travels fast or when it hits home, the Bible says, and there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. Just hearing the good news, the Holy Ghost had not even been poured out to them. Why you read it? There was great joy just because of the good news, and, and uh, Philip went ahead and he baptized him. News reached Jerusalem. They were having a revival. And the apostles sent Peter and John. The Bible says they came and they laid hands on those new converts. And they received the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, but there was great joy in that city. Why? Because people are looking for good news. People are looking for hope. People are looking for joy. People are looking for peace. People are looking for something that will bring stability to their life. Oh, persecution was the vehicle God used to transport the gospel. Many were baptized. Hmm. The Bible says in verse number 25, And then when they had testified, 
and preached the word of the Lord. They returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. They now were, they were, they were, they were getting the hang of things. That this was not limited within just one specific race or nationality. This thing was busting out. The curtain had been torn in two, and there is nobody that could block access to the precious King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He was saying, you need to take this good news into every area, every highway, every byway, every place. This is where our story gets exciting. Verse number 26, And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip in the middle of a red-hot revival, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. Notice there's no, there is zero hesitation on Philip's part. God does not tell him why he is sending him. He just shows him the way. Sometimes the way is more important than us knowing the why. I am just as human as you are. And it seems like a lot of my prayer time in the past has been, Why, God? <laughs> why, 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 why? <laughs> Listen, it, I don't need to know the why because I know the way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, and nobody will get to my Father. Nobody's going to get to heaven except through me. I don't need to know the whys to everything that comes into my life. I just need to know for certainty that I am in the way. See, our job is getting to our divine destination or calling. I, ooh, hello. Do this. Go here. Do this. Lord, I don't feel, excuse me, I don't feel like walking 50 miles to Gaza. Especially. Now, if you'll tell me why, Lord, I might consider it. That is, that is the human spirit. You tell me why I'm going. You tell me why this has got to happen, Lord. And I might agree to it. Hello. and I found out a long time ago it's not my job to ask the why my job is to reach my destination of my calling because I know that if I continue Sister Reyes if I continue to try to get to my destination that the whys will always meet me along the way Our focus needs to be on moving toward our calling and not needing to know why. Why? Brother Colton, 
Why did, did God plant you in this assembly for the time that you have been with us? I don't know if he asked the question or not, but here he is. The wise, wise are that when you take a group of young people to youth convention and you are there to guide them and direct them into a place of salvation. Devon's the why, Daniel's the why, Michael's the why. reason sometimes there are those among us that continue to be frustrated is we don't want to put in the effort of leaving our comfortable Jerusalem to travel 50 miles into the backside of the desert unless we know something. Philip makes a trip that could have been anywhere from 20 to 50 miles. I'm here to excuse me. All right. I didn't know. Not only did he not have a BMW or a Firebird or a Corvette, we don't even read where he had a fast camel. Okay? It is apparent that he was walking or running. We don't know. You understand? He doesn't even know why he was on, he's on this road yet. He got no clue other than God said, hey, Philip, you should be here. Hey, God. You know, it's kind of nice here in Jerusalem. You know, I'm I'm hanging out with big shots, you know. I mean, look, I, I went and ate dinner with John and Peter and James the other day, and whoo, they even paid for it, and we're doing good. And look at all the people that are coming to God and everything. And And I would if I were to be a, a guessing individual, I would say that more than likely there have been some times in my family's life when they have not appreciated me leaving our comfort zone and doing something that others didn't do. You got to leave that place. Leave that place. So we know that he rose, he went, no hesitation, none at all. He doesn't. He doesn't. We don't know how far he traveled. Maybe this far he had to travel, but Acts eight twenty seven twenty eight, and he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was on his way home, sitting in his car, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. One of them two-wheel prophets. Chariot. Probably a little bumpy. Okay, he was on, he was reading, and the Bible says he was reading. The place of scripture he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, 
And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so he opened not his mouth. That's the place he's reading, Isaiah 53, 3 through 9. Who was this guy? He was a man that is apparent that he was hungry for God. He had made the trip to Jerusalem to worship and apparently had not received what he was looking for in the middle of a red-hot revival in the middle of the great apostles of all time. hungry was this man for God? You can study it on your own. A trip of anywhere between 1,000 and 1,500 miles. There are hungry hearts looking for God. You know why I know that? It's because I was there. I know what it's like for God to deal with your heart and nobody there to help you. He had traveled between one, let's just call it a low ball at a thousand miles. He had traveled to Jerusalem to worship God whom he knew in part, he traveled 1,000 miles to worship God. And he was a man of great authority. He came and traveled in the name of the queen of Ethiopia. He was in charge of all of her treasure. All right, this is a question. I'll just... Throw it out there and let you chew on it for a while, but how can you go to Jerusalem and worship and not receive the message? I don't know how it happened. But here is a possibility. He was a eunuch. And according to the law in Deuteronomy 23.1, and I don't want to get too personal here, but it's in the Bible and this is what it is. Deuteronomy 23 and 1, if a man's private parts have been crushed or cut off, he cannot enter the assembly of the Lord. There is a possibility this man willingly became a eunuch in order to serve the queen. We don't know. What we do know, because he is a eunuch and he is a foreigner, he is an outsider. And at that point in time, <laughs> Sister Reyes, at that point in time, apparently he was not welcome into the church that was full of red-hot revival in the city of Jerusalem. He had to stay on the outside. But he was hungry for God. He was hungry. He was so hungry for God that there is a distinct possibility 
that he had spent a great sum of money while he was there to purchase a copy of Isaiah. We don't know if he purchased the whole law or some of the other prophets, but we know he got a hold of the book of Isaiah. Do you know how expensive that would have been in that day and how much of a challenge it would have been to go there and get a copy? It would have been one of the most challenging things and the most sparse things available on the market. He was so hungry that he made it a point when he got there, at the very least, they may not let him in the door, but he was going to come away with a copy of the book. I can tell you, I can tell you what it is like to get my hands on my first Bible, Brother Kelly Smith. I know how, I know what it was like to tuck that thing to my chest and take it literally with me every place I went. He said, hey, you may not let me in the door. He says, but the Lord has blessed me and I've got the money to buy a book. And he said, I'm not going to leave this place until I get my hands on the book. He was so excited to have his own copy. And so he began to read what he had in his hands, making his way back to Ethiopia. It was going to be a long road home. And he might have been somewhat disappointed. And he had gone, listen, he had gone as far as he could go. He had made the trip. He had knocked on the door of the church. But because he was a possibly a black man, and I don't say that, uh, uh, you know, to uh, cause any hurt feelings, but he was from Ethiopia. He was not admitted because of his sexual orientation. And he was a black man. He was a foreigner. He knocked on the door of the church, and they said, sorry. I could tell you a story about that man's brother. Oh, I could tell you a story about Tim Hollingshead. I'm sorry. There's an old song that used to be sung. Man went to church and he he was a long-haired hippie, and they said, I'm sorry, we don't let those kind in here. And that's kind of the little bit of the way that the that the church was, hello, somebody say, hey, man, that's a little bit the way that it was when about, you know, three or four of us walked in the doors of the church, and they said, whoa, 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 baby, come on now. You're not going to bring that stuff into here. This is a holy place. I know. I'm an unholy man trying to find the holy God that you worship.
he's reading, he's reading his first Bible. Oh, my goodness. Philip's on his journey, still don't know why. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost speaks. That's Philip. He says, go and draw yourself and overtake that chariot. You're going to be hearing words that have been spoken. He says, go and join yourself. Now, my goodness, Philip is like, I don't know if they make them like that no more. Overtake the chariot. I don't, was he running? I'm thinking he's probably running. I don't know. He ran to him. He heard him reading the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're searching for? He says, how can I? You are the why. You are the wise as to why God said go. Man had gone as far as he could. He understood it. He said, I don't understand it. Somebody help me to find God. He asked Philip to come up and sit with him. I don't know the conversation. Comes up and he said, hey, Philip, man. I've I traveled a thousand miles to get to Jerusalem, and and uh, somehow I missed it. And I thought maybe I, I don't know. All I know is I'm hungry for God, and I'm looking for Him. Can you help me? Philip says, "Well, he says, yeah. As a matter of fact, God just sent me." And Philip opened his mouth. Get this again, verse number thirty-five. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture. Preach to him Jesus Christ. You understand? He didn't even have he didn't have the epistles at this point. He didn't even have the written gospels. All he had was that the angel said, Hey Philip, go to Gaza the desert, and you're gonna find a man there. When you do find him, just preach to him. Jesus Christ and him crucified and let's see what happens. They came to some water. The eunuch says, what hinders me from being baptized? You know the story. I, I, we don't have time. I got to hurry up here. He said, if you believe if you believe with all of your heart. They both went into the water, Philip baptizing the eunuch. The only thing we find here, the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Woohoo! Come on. He, he went on. Oh, baby, listen to me. You, you, you really don't understand sometimes that the significance and the power of water baptism, it literally, it washes away every stink that you had in your life. And when you come out of that water, you are a new creature. You are brand new. 
That man was a great authority. He had a special seat in the house of the palace of the queen. But what he didn't have until he got baptized, until he found out through the guide of Philip that Jesus Christ was who he was, the fulfillment of what he was reading about, he understood that, oh my goodness, I have finally found what I have been looking for. Anybody that does not have joy as a direct result of their conversion, something fishy there with their conversion. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away and found himself in a place called Azotus. Now, you tell me what that means. Right? You tell me what that means. Apparently, understand is that Philip Philip was the first missionary that Ethiopian listen I'm not negating the house of Cornelius but I'm here to remind us all that Cornelius was not the first Gentile that was born into the church it was this man from Ethiopia Philip had opened as the first missionary going to the uttermost part of the world. He had introduced this gospel to the very home of the countries afar off. As the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, found himself in a place called Azotus. Passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Philip had found his why. I had a call one time from, said, hey, I'd like you to go to Sunnyside. Really? Why? It involved a lot of things. One of the things was trust God. And to see if we had in us the heart of a servant willing to go and converse, travel back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And another call came one day. And it brought us here. And you are the why. Jesus is the way. And the how, the how is whatever we put into making sure that we find a lot of whys along the way that we have been sent out into the highways and the byways.
See, my job is to reach my destination. Every time somebody comes to the altar, every time somebody repents, every time that we baptize somebody in, the, in Jesus' name, they become the whys as to why that I am here standing right here today. You are the why. What happened to the eunuch, the first Gentile convert to Christianity? He's from a sexual minority, a different race and nationality. According to a second century writer, Arrhenius, the eunuch returned to his country and preached Jesus. By the fourth century, Christianity was his country's official religion. As you stand with us this morning, <laughs> according to this historian, that eunuch returned with joy in his heart to his country and he preached what he had been handed down through Philip, his spiritual leader, his guide, his mentor. And the history says that by the fourth century, the Christianity was his country's official religion. Maybe, you see, maybe he read the rest of the book of Isaiah, chapter number 56, 3 through 6. Listen carefully. I don't know if they can put it up there real quick, but I'll try to read. Listen, maybe he turned the chapter. If he would have kept reading, maybe maybe Philip guided him. I don't know, but listen to, listen to the 56th chapter. It says, Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord, say, The Lord hath separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. In other words, keep reading the book. It's in there. You think that you have been separated from God's people. There is hope for you. Keep reading the book. Start believing the book. There's room. He, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. There's room. For thus saith the Lord to the eunuch that keeps my Sabbath, choose the things that please me, take a hold of my covenant. Even to them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. How about that? No wonder he could preach a message that would inspire people because he had found a place within the kingdom of God. How about Philip? We find him again 20 years later in the book of Acts chapter number 21 and verse 8. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem to, to, to be uh, put on trial. He stops along the way and pays a visit. Listen to this. The Bible says he stops at the home of an evangelist. That is the only place 
in the book of Acts that you will find somebody that is called by that particular name. It's found in two of the epistles, but Philip is called Paul Luke writing. He says that Paul stopped. He wanted to visit a home that he could be assured that the message was still going strong. For 20 years, the Bible says Paul stopped. He wants to see Philip. He wants to visit the evangelist. Twenty years. Twenty years. And you know the rest of it. He's got four daughters that are prophetesses and and uh, Paul. I'm sure that something stuck in Paul and said, Hey, you know, they the conversation as they were having coffee, not tea, we don't like tea, it was coffee and black, really black. They said, hey, Philip, thank you. Thank you for breaking the boundaries that made my mission just a little bit more easier because that you were willing to go, not knowing your why, but you were willing to go and preach. Romans 10, 14, How then shall they call on him? whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent? You are a preacher here today. You have been sent with the authority of the message. You are that divine connector between whomever and whomever. You're the one that has the, uh, the, the potential to ignite the fire within somebody uh, that is searching and hungry for God. You're the one that can take them. There are people that are showing up to their Jerusalem churches this morning and they will walk outside those doors and they will not be fulfilled. Why? Because they do not have the message of Jesus' name, baptism. They do not have the power of the Holy Ghost infilling. Everyone needs a guide. Dads, your children need a guide. Mothers, your children need a guide. Managers, thank you, Brother Ryan. Managers, your people that work with you, they need a guide. Young people that go to school, Daniel, you are Holy Ghost filled. Now we got to get you baptized. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want you to hear me today. There is somebody out there that is hungry for the Word of God. They are looking for a real, genuine experience that will transform their lives. If you're here this morning, we're going to invite you to come here to the front. If you're here this morning and you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you have never received the Holy Ghost baptism, 
then I want you to come down here. I want you to believe that it is here and God is wanting to give you this precious gift. I want you to come. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle, you're not sure of your why. Do you feel an urge to go? Wait a minute, that didn't come out right, did it? If the Holy Ghost is prompting you to do something for God and you're stubborn and you say, well, God, you tell me why and then I'll do it. No, 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 that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. He shows you the way. And you're the how to get there. And the why will be waiting for you. And together we will change the world. If you need a miracle this morning, I'm asking you to come and I want, I want you to believe in the miracle. If you need a healing, whatever, you need financial miracle. If you need a healing miracle, I'm here to remind us that Jesus Christ is the same. He can do anything that you can believe him for. If you're here this morning, if you don't have anything else to come to the front for, surely... If you have a child that is here or if you have a spouse that is with you here today, if, come on, dads. Come on, mothers and fathers. If you're here and you have a son or a daughter that is in church today, at the very least, I think it would be to your best interest that you would come and that you would lift your hands and say, Thank you, Lord, for allowing my family to be here in the house of God. Oh, we're serious about this today. Come on, church. Try it. If you need the Holy Ghost, if you need to be baptized today, this is it. If you need to repent of your sins, if you need a Bible study, whatever it is that you need, come on, let's just lift our hearts to Him. Let's lift our hearts. If you're here and you need the Holy Ghost, just raise your hands and begin to worship Him, begin to thank Him, begin to praise Him. Begin to praise Him and believe Him that it's a gift, right? It's a gift from God. It's nothing you have to work for. It's nothing that you have to beg for. It's a gift from God. If you'll just lift your hands and, and you will begin to worship Him and you begin to feel the Holy Ghost hovering over you and trying to speak through you. If you will just will that, you will just let yourself go and speak. Speak what the Holy Ghost brings and the utterance into your life. Oh, I believe that there's, I believe there's a Philip here today. I believe that there may even be an Ethiopian here today. Oh, come on, that's it, that's it. Come on. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost, come right down here to the middle, right in front here, and we'll pray with you.
drink from the cup God, in your hand. Oh, I want to drink with you, Lord, until your heart beats. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I'm
Oh. Mm-hmm.